Hello and welcome to Seafood Matters Podcast, the voice of the UK seafood industry. I'm your host, Jim Cowie. In this episode, I am talking with Jan Christensen, a fishery scientist from Iceland. I am educated in Oslo, in the University of in Oslo, uh, in uh, freshwater biology. I was there, I was got an exam in 1970, and I have been working uh, all the time uh, since then in, the, in, in this field. I started to work at the Freshwater Institute in Reykjavik, and I was the first one, uh, first scientist to be there and, uh, and uh, uh, to look at the lakes, what, what did we have in the lakes and so on and so forth. So I worked there for, uh, for 15 or 17 years. I was responsible for trout and salmon, uh, investigating populations in the water uh, and so on. But uh, then I, I left uh, this uh, position. And I started for myself in 1986. And I have been working privately all the time since then. And uh, I'm, I'm never, uh, I have never suspended myself. So I'm still doing some research to keep me going on. I'm mainly working now with uh, or salmon rivers and estimating population of salmon par and monitoring the growth and the density. It's an enormous subject. Yes, but when when I when I started my own business, I um, I did uh, different things, very very many different things. I worked for the insurance companies in the fish farming uh, sector by inspecting the farms and renewing the contracts and doing uh, losses and, and so on. I was there for five years and I, I got a lot of experience uh, by that. And in, the, in this period, I was in contact with, uh, with uh, the Scottish people. Uh, because we got them here to help us. It was Jan McFarlane. Uh, maybe you know Jan McFarlane. I know of him, yeah. 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 So so he was here and, uh, and uh, showing us and uh, looking at things here. And built uh, a hatchery, by the way. But uh, after that, uh, when the, <laughs> the fish farming sector and cates in the sea uh, died, as, as I say, because it died because of uh, mistakes and uh, weather conditions, freezing, etc. And it, it took many, many years for it to start again. Uh, so the only thing left in this sector was the production of small sport and part to release into the rivers, which we have found little by little is completely useless thing it's 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 uh, it's very useless uh, and uh, my colleague once said to a to a fishing uh, company that was um, had set aside money uh, to to um, to buy uh, some smalls to put in the river to increase the fisheries 
what is the best way for us to spend this? He said, uh, well, if you are going to get something out of it, change all your money in 100 kroner bills and make a little paper boat and let them float <laughs> along down the river. Then you have something out of it. <laughs> so, uh, but this is true. There, it has been no effect of this uh, in, in the days because they were releasing uh, par into uh, river stretches that were already fully populated. Yeah. I... And uh, yes. Uh, then uh, I started with scrimp research. First in uh, Iceland for a private company because he didn't like the quotas that the uh, Marine Institute set and uh, their methods and so on. So I was there to help them. And then I went to I went with a trawler down to the Flemish Cup in scrimp research. And uh, that was very interesting. Five weeks on a trawler and collecting samples uh, five years after that. Either by going short trips or getting it home, the, the samples. So I wrote, a, I wrote a lot about that. And I found out, as, as always, that there, is, there was no overfishing of shrimp, as people said. It was completely normal. But it is so with shrimp that um, sh you have to make shrimp grounds. I, my friend who got me on this trawler, he, was, he has been for 15 years creating shrimp fishery north of Iceland. Nobody had done this before. And it started to increase, increase, increase. The more you fish, the more shrimps were there. There's a simple reason for that. Uh, they, uh, I think uh, shrimps, or they must be cannibals. And uh, they are uh, fit for the for the certain fish like cod. And by 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 fishing, you you hold the balance in the system. And it's uh, very notably that after the trolls left the Flemish Cup, because shrimp price went down, and the oil price went up, and it was not profitable. There were only a few boats left, but their cuts didn't increase. It decreased when this big fleet of of several hundred boats left. So that was the experience. It was, uh, it was. I saw the same thing in the shrimp as I saw in the Arctic jar in the lakes. Wow. But uh, the difference was that there were much more samples. There was, <laughs> there were much much more of them. So I saw the same thing: growth, uh, maturity, or change of sex was density dependent. If it was a little food, they changed to males to females earlier at, at smaller size. If there was plenty of food, they increased the, uh, this length. As, exactly the same as fish in the sea or in the lakes. The food, when the food is limited, they have to spawn because otherwise you will die. Yeah. In in the evolution, it is best. They are all aiming at having the maximum number of eggs. 
to bring their genes forward in a population, right? And uh, when you increase the body size, you increase the number of eggs. So they wait, wait to have one go very big. But if the foot is short, they can't do that because then they will die from starvation before they lay their, lay their eggs. So, so they, 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 when the foot is uh, being limited, they spawn. So you can, by uh, measuring the size, spawning size, first spawning size of fish anywhere, you can determine how good they behave, how good they are, how the food uh, supply versus the number of fish eating it is in balance or, or not. So in lakes, uh, rule of thumb was, if there was a lot of small fish, you had to fish it out, as we say. You should cut more and uh, cut uh, the smallest fish because they are starving and underpopulated. Immediately. Everyone, what? I think if I remember correctly, Jan, you advised that in the North Sea with Haddock some years past. Yes. Uh, you see... Uh, this is this is what we knew or know about freshwater fish, and all in the freshwater branch, especially in Norway, the overpopulation was a problem. If you if you didn't fish, you you got overpopulation, and if you caught the big ones, as as they do, usually you don't want you will always have the biggest one by selecting the big ones. The problems get still worse because they are often cannibals and they control the population below there or, or, or smaller than them. But if you remove them, you get a bigger problem. That's what happened in the North Sea. But you see, I had this experience when I came in. It was in 2003. First thing we did was to go to the fish market in Aberdeen. And uh, I was, I went to with with a TV crew, in fact, to um, to investigate this overfishing, right, and catching small fish and and killing everything and so on. And everybody said that they were killing so much that there were only small fish left in the North Sea. So we, the first thing we did was to go to the fish market in um, in Aberdeen. And what I saw was hundreds of boxes of small, uh, herring-sized almost, uh, haddock. But at the end of its row of boxes, there was, uh, there was, there was um, boxes, many boxes with eggs, with roe. Where, where does this roe from? No, it comes from the haddock. Well, then I understood overpopulation in the North Sea. I knew these symptoms immediately, and later I came to uh, AIDS, AIDS, these fish, and see how old they were. And these herring-sized fish, they were four, four years old, four or five years old. Uh, an Icelandic one would be um, two kilos at that age. So... There is a shortage of food. And I looked at the cod besides. Also, cod of the same size was slim. 
Okay, they are competing for the same food. So, understandably, there was a lack of of of, uh, of fishery, to low fishery. And what has happened in this? North Sea. The fleet is gone. When was it best in the North Sea? When the Russians and the Germans and the Poles and the Lithuanians was helping you to catch fish in the North Sea, that all disappeared in 1976 or something. They were thrown out. Then it started to de decline. And even the, 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 the effort of the the British fleet was greatly reduced. You see it on the curve if you, if you look at the, the data. So how, how in, in the bloody heaven can it be overfishing then when the fleet has disappeared? What we see now is oil platforms. We don't meet any ships anymore. And when you look back, it, despite all this fishery, no fish stock was fished out. They didn't manage to fish out the North Sea then, but now with the only 10% of that fleet, they are overfishing it. It, it, it. It's not possible. Yeah. So all the symptoms, it was the same as in the lake, which is very violent. But what happened in the 50s or something, there was a divorce between freshwater biology and marine fish biology. And they don't talk together anymore. The freshwater biologists say, you are doing wrong, but they, person to person, but if they say it often, uh, officially, they, they risk to lose the jobs. Yeah. You have to be, do uh, have to say what they mean is right. And if you see an institute, uh, a marine institute, they, all the persons working there, they say the same thing. In fact, one person could rule everything. If you say something wrong, you lose grants and you lose works and programs and so on. So they are, in order to meet in Copenhagen every year, they have to be very good and they have to, they have to see the same prayers as, as everybody else. It's very strange. Do you think, going on from that, but staying in the same principle, the situation we have in Shetland, around the Shetland waters just now, there is an enormous amount of cod, huge amount of cod, and yet the, the quota has been cut, and boats are going fishing in areas, and they are having to leave it because there's too much cod. And the fear with the fishermen are that the cod is because there's a, there's a shortage of haddock and an overabundance of cod. From what you have said there now, do you relate that together? I mean, this is so in the marine uh, sector, in, in the scientific sector. Everything is explained by overfishing. <clears throat> Everything. And... and uh, I mean, they, they don't see what other people see. If you see a lot of fish, they say no. And I remember 
<clears throat> once they had a two service, great service in the North Sea many years ago, where they were trying to find out why the recruitment of cod was so low in their eyes, was so low. And they were investigating uh, whitefish. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, whiting? Whiting, yes. They, it was suspected that the whitings were eating the, the cod. Yeah. Or young cod, because they, are, they have, have a lot of teeth in their mouth and they look very ugly and uh, dangerous. Yeah. <clears throat> they found out the result of this was that there were no, uh, almost no cod found in the stomachs of the, of the whitings. But there were, they had, had mostly empty stomach and they were full of parasites and our, as I say, uh, in the report, our scientists noticed that they were, with, they were very thin, full of parasites, and small black liver. Yeah. But they didn't understand what they saw. It's a simple time of starvation. But they didn't see it. They didn't know it. They are incompetent. If you... you, you as an experienced biologist by the leg fishery, you see immediately what is wrong. And if you analyze the food, you see something is wrong. The same was in the pharaoh. They said to me once, when the fish was starving in pharaoh, I saw it. I said, you have to increase the effort. And everybody looked at increase the effort, unhurt. So... They said they are now in uh, are more frequently caught with uh, with the mackerel and the, the other uh, pelagic fish than than caught caught. And then I asked, what was in their stomach? They are they are seeking feed upwards in the sea. What was in the no 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 sorry I don't have to mention it. Was it was it uh, this and that? Was it uh, crabs and sea stars? Yeah 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 yeah. But that is the menu. That's the last thing they eat. They have nothing to eat, so they go up in the sea. But they were hungry, but nobody would accept that this could exist. Uh, that the, 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 the sea was uh, that they were starving. Why, why don't they go everywhere else, somewhere else? Because there are fish there also. <laughs> I mean, they don't, they deny these facts. Yeah. And probably you know that uh, trolling has been banned or the pharaoh bank for 20 years plus. There's no cats there. If they, they survey, they will not open it because they survey, there is no code, but there are skates and all kinds of other fish. But my father told me he was... He was delivering uh, fish from Iceland in the war. And they were, uh, when they, were, they filled the, cod, the, the, the trawlers up uh, in, in Iceland, and they went to, to England, and they stopped on the ferrobank to fill up, because uh, as time goes, it, it shrinks in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the ship. So they, they used to fill up at the ferrobanks. 
and it was a bad game. Everybody was fishing, but they closed it for 20 years. Nothing happens. It is still closed. Yeah. I know that they reckoned in this country after the Cod War, when the boats were stopped fishing in Faroe as well, and the Aberdeen trawlers that used to trawl in the Faroe Bank, they stopped, they were stopped. And just exactly what you're saying, and the, and the fishing went down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cod is, is a local creature. We have fjords here where the trollers were, <coughs> were fishing on the north side of, of, uh, of, of this fjord, uh, one particular fjord, but they didn't fish on the south side. Why was that? Because there was a, a less quality in the fish. It was smaller and with worms and so on. So the north part was fished, but the south part not. And it, they were small because there, nobody was fishing there. Yeah. What is a fishing ground? It's a, it's a spot where the trawlers or fishermen come every year at certain times and fish. And next time they come, they always catch fish. But if they stop fishing, the fish will disappear. And I w w once talked to a skipper troll captain he i said in Goldberg, do you remember any fishing spot that you have cleared out by fishing he looked at me and thought for a, a, a while he said no no because it it's it's not exhaustible it's renewable And no fish stocks has ever been fished out uh, by fishing. You, you can't even fish out a lake. It's impossible. And I read um, research from a Norwegian scientist, a hundred years old, Knut Dahl. He was the guy who found out that by thinning out the population, you increase the growth and you increase the gas and the production by fishing. He wanted to estimate the population. And he did it. It was a it was a small lake, and he did it by tagging fish and recapturing them. You see, if you if you um, if you um, if you if you um, tag hundred and you catch fifty, that's the half of the population. So you can calculate the size of stock. This is often done, but he said uh, there was a little sentence i didn't notice first time i read it but later he said the strange thing was it was very easy to recover 30% of the tax but i never could get more than 50% when he had caught half of the population there was nothing more to catch because fish had learned to avoid the game. And through my net fishing in numerous Icelandic lakes for 40 years, I know this is true. They know how to avoid nets by experience. Because once they usually swim through, through the nets, right? 
But when they grow older, suddenly they, 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 something tickles them. What was that? Next time they come, they have to struggle to get free. Third time, maybe, they come and they, they have to wait one or two days to empty their stomach to get away. And they say, I'll never do this again. That's a, that's really fascinating because one of the one of the problems the fishermen feel here is they they call it a flawed science because the stock assessments are made by the research vessels. They are going to the same every year. They go back to the same grounds in the same area and count the. They do their counts, and fishermen just feel it's a flawed science, as they say. Areas that they fished ten years ago, there are no fish. They're not fishing there now. But areas where the there was no fish ten years ago, that's where they're fishing now. Yeah, we we have the same method in estimating the number of grouse in Iceland. <laughs> you go to the same spot. Every year, at the same time, you fire five shots in northwest direction, and you count the tarmigas and the grouse that are dead. <laughs> I mean, this this put it in another light, but this is really the same thing. And another thing which is very important, you know, they try to catch all sizes of fish, even the smallest. And they have a mess size in the, in, in the bag, which retains this small fish. They have very small mess in, in, in the trawl. What does that mean? It means that there is a very difficult for the current to go through. So you have a pressure wave in front of the trawl, and when you when you when, you, when the fish comes in, and usually you should get caught by the current. There is no current, so they swim out again. So the bigger fish has the capability to avoid the troll, swim out of it, because you are trying to catch the small ones. And and uh, I saw similar things in the Irish Sea. I was in the Irish Sea on a trawler. We were out of Dublin. And we were trolling with a semi-pelagic troll. And for seven hours, and we got, I think, 20 or 30 boxes of haddock. But on the echo sounder, you saw it was in the troll in front. It was moving up all the time. It went out in the, in the roof of the troll, which is known from, from video recording. Haddock escapes upwards. So the quantity they caught was of in no relation with the abundance of the fish on the spot. People, they think really that troll cuts everything in front of it. You've heard that. Yep. I, now, recent, we know this is not so. We have seen films, and they go under the bobbins and so on, over the troll, out of the masses. And recently, the Marine Institute here answered a question of what do you think is the cuts percent of the troll 
It, they were in fact asked for uh, what percentage a line fishery could take from the what percentage of fish it would take from the stock. They didn't know because it can't be investigated, but they knew that their investigation on troll fishing showed that the catchability of the troll was about 20%. Wow. So if you go over one ground and you catch 20%, then you turn back and go over the ground again, you catch 20% of what is left. And then again, this is goes at infinitum. You can't fish out the, the stock. Besides, pictures show that trolls swim ahead of the, of the, of the, of the rock pocket. But when there is a stone, they go behind the stone and let it go over it. They know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> so a troll is a very primitive fishing gear, if we say so. It's and other interesting. interesting things from ferals is that they catch mainly shade or pollock. Yeah. But they catch it on, on pear trawlers. Pear trawlers, they, they have a, a troll between them, as they do in yeah. Los Angeles, as yeah. Peter Bruce does. Yeah. They can't, uh, the haddock, you know, the, the, the shade is very, very, it's very difficult to catch it in an ordinary troll with, with uh, drawers. Yeah. Because they avoid it. So, they don't catch everything. Fish learn and they know how to avoid it and so on. And another thing which is interesting from the pharaohs, you probably know Olaf Olsen yeah. in the pharaohs. He's a former fishery minister. He was on Icelandic trawlers in, in very, very long ago. And he was replenishing or renewing his fleet. He, they bought... Uh, so-called Cuba trawlers from Cuba when Castro sold them because he didn't because a fisherman could, could flee from Cuba on the trawlers so he sold them to Ferro and he was renewing it and they were catching and he, he has some very very good statistics of all his uh, life uh, what they bought uh, food supply <laughs> Uh, how much they caught it, and what the price was, what, where it's called the beta files. Have you heard about the beta files? No. It's all of all sense, uh, live for recording of all activities in his firm, all the time. Cuts, everything. When he got the new trawlers, he was not allowed to have them bigger than the others. They were built in Spain. They were, they were a bigger, I mean, bigger, more powerful. They had better uh, rooms and uh, beds and so on. Yeah. But they they used the same gear, same troll, same thing. But when they came, they caught a double of what the old troll is called. Why was that? Do you have idea about why is that? They were exactly the same thing, same spots, same power, everything like, except for the sound. Well, there was a new sound for the fish. 
fish learns to recognize sound. I have heard and that suddenly from there a, is a sound. What? I have heard that from a pharaoh. Another a pharaoh is. Yeah, my, I mean, this, this, um, you can say prove it, but this indicates that they were not aware when the new uh, troll came around. Not new, new motor, new, new. I remember a very good friend of mine in Pharaohs said that they discovered that with the jiggers as well when they yeah. went to the electric. Yes. You know, when they went from the mechanical jiggers to electronic and there was no sound, they had a much better catch. Yeah, but another thing interest from the jiggers in Iceland is that you are fishing and you are fishing normally. Then a troller comes around. Then it stops to bait. And they wait until the troller is far away. Then they start to bite again. They are alert. Ah, oh, guys, be careful now. Troller is coming. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, why not say that? I mean, these are, if they were not intelligent, as we, as I say, they would eat stones. Wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, you're... <laughs> if, you, if you go from... You're certainly, a, a, putting, you're certainly putting a new perspective on it, that's for sure. You know, because I don't think ever... Yeah. When I was a boy... The spinners in the freshwater fishery was introduced. Spinners, you know, yeah. or spoons, or what you call it. And it yeah. caught very well, very, very well for several years. But try it now. It gives nothing. They have long ago learned that this is, that this is not uh, food. And they alert each other by releasing uh, pheromones. This is dangerous. That's the communication. That's uh, putting out pheromones to to uh, to to alert others. So this is. Uh, I was I was once filming a, a salmon in in a river. And. Uh, I, I put a, a GoPro camera on, on, a, on a piece of board and, and let it drift down the river with a line in the end and uh, I could manipulate it a little bit. I saw this, this board, which is a, a one feet long, floating. I saw a steam of, of, of salmon and when, they, when they, this wood piece floating approached the the school, they divide it in all directions. Why? Why? Why do? Why should they do that? It's just a piece of food floating on the water. What do they see? The, this piece of water. They see it as a duck. And they remember from when they were young, ducks ate them. So if you saw a duck, go hide. Okay. And this yeah. was. In their memory, or I mean, how can someone find their way back to their own river and even the same spawning spot? They remember. So they remember this. And uh, the fly, they take the fly only the first, uh, when they when they earned it. This is a, 
This is, I think this is a reminder of the young days when they were catching insects. They, 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 they take the fly. But after a while, they don't, they don't bite because they, I don't know why, but that's a fact. So fish learn. Yeah. Jon, do you think the, from what you've said already about the monitoring and things, I mentioned in one of the questions I would like to ask you is about my own experience from my fishing village in Helmsdale. There was a, the Murray Firth. There was a huge, that whole area from Wick down Leibster, Helmsdale, right round by Lossiemouth, Banff, Bacha, eh, eh, Hopeman, Burghead, out by Bucky, there was an enormous amount, hundreds of boats every day fished there. And now there is not one boat fishing there. And there's no boats left in that area. It's just small sort of creel boats, lobsters, crabs, things. And if any whitefish boat goes into that area, they can catch nothing. No, they fish got bored of waiting for them. <laughs> Pardon? No. Well, it is. This is the experience. This is the evidence I use, and many. But the scientists today, they only believe in the computer. But uh, uh, yes, I was in the in the in the field in the, in the field, uh, with a sailor in the field of forth. Isn't it outside? Yeah, not on. Yeah, and we caught. Um, we caught, uh, I think we caught uh, 60 tons or something, but we only landed nine tons. It was just discarded. Okay. Because they, they had a quota and they, they selected the best fish. But in such area, the, 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 the fish uh, are starving and they eat out and... and and uh, how to explain that? If you have, you know that a, a sheep, they can overgraze. And if you have 100 sheep in a lot, in a place that normally could carry 50, they would eat out all the grass and try to starve. But if you remove them and you put two or three in, they will also start because it only when it is eaten down, it only takes a few ones to carry on this this eating because they are faster than the grass grows. You see, so if you if you overpopulate, uh, you need only few to to hold it in that state. The food supply and the best example of this is the coal box. You know the coal box. Yeah. It is in the North Sea out of out of out of Holland or, or Denmark. Yeah, yeah. It was a heavily fished area and gave very lot of fish for many, many, many years. Then they closed it. Because the fish were small and they said recruitment will increase if they get uh, more time to to grow. When they investigated later. There is much less fish in the, 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 the protected area than there is outside the protected area. 
And they, their explanation, the biologist's explanation was that uh, the trolls didn't uh, disturb the bottom so and bring the insects free so they could eat them. So they went to the borderline and they were trolling and there were more food there. But of course, it was overpopulation. They ate out everything and then, they, then there is nothing left. The same with shrimp. Or, no, not shrimp, but uh, prawns. If you protect an area for three or four years, there's nothing left when you come back. So it's the yeah. same thing everywhere. Yeah. Is that but scientists area, today, the, they don't listen. Is that the area you're talking about there? Was that just off of Heligoland? Yes. Yes. The, it's, the, a, it's a... It's a it's the uh, place box. They got they used to catch a lot of smaller, smaller size codlings. Yes, I, I, you must have read it in the paper. I, I, I it you to. It was about that area, that example. Yeah. And yeah. in fact, as I have said, there is no, never, there is not anywhere are there results. Of, of, of the fishing management, fishery management should increase the cuts in the long run, right? That, that was called management, to increase and stabilize the cuts. Everywhere where it, uh, they have tried it, the fishery is much less than when they started and even a fraction of it now. Yeah. The, the worrying thing just now from our point of view with that principles is the, our government are cutting off areas. They're calling them marine MPAs, marine protected oh, areas. Oh, let me know. Yes, yes, yes. And that's exactly what's what they're going to do and they're, they're wanting to do it. So between areas that's mean, going to be mean protected, marine protected areas and others that they are putting renewable energy wind farms and that the fishermen are are worried that there's they're losing fishing grounds ev all the time every year yes and and that's another religion that's the, the co2 pollution i mean this is the breath life life uh, for, for the plants so this this uh, this uh, man-made uh, what you say global warming it is not so it's a lie it, it's yeah. just just a plain lie to collect money yeah and uh, it's strange that people even uh, do believe it but this, this is a religion we call it left-wing media <laughs> yes, same here. But if you if you look at the cuts record from Ferros from nineteen five, you you have seen it from nineteen oh five two days to to the day to Dato, there are uh, forty thousand tons cuts of cod before the World War. And it's um, more or less stable, but then you have the, have the world war, and it goes down to almost nothing, because all the foreigners went away. So this was, in fact, during a war, it was a marine protected area. After the war, you should expect 
that uh, a lot of fish had collected, but it, it went to the same level again, about 40,000 tons, but not more, uh, because it's for only five years. And after that, you see there are more fluctuations in the stock. There are periods with low fishery and high fishery, and it gets more quick, the lows get more frequent and deeper after, uh, by, by time. This is because, I think this is because they were extending their fishery limits, the pharaohs. Earlier, the British royals were fishing on inside the fuse up to the shore, everywhere. But when they were restricted to do this, you got these collapses. And now, they are not average of 40,000 tons or 20,000 tons, but, but 5,000 tons or something. And we've seen it happen. Fish comes starving into the, into the harbors even to look for food. And they fish from a, from a beer with nets. But then next year they disappeared. They're dead. They still won't understand. I was, I was, and the other thing, I was, you said a lot of boats. I was uh, looking at a film, uh, a Norwegian film, about the low-foot fishery, low-foot and fisheries, yeah. which is the spawning ground for the balance he caught. They, they have been fishing there for a thousand years. And in the Middle Ages, uh, 14, 15, 500, the, the export of this uh, dried cod from Lofoten was 80% of the total export of Norway. Yeah. And there they, they, is a they show a British film that was made in 1952, 1952, and then the fleet at Lofoten was four thousand vessels. Yeah. Four thousand persons. They have been trying to fish out that stock for a thousand years, but they <laughs> have not succeeded. I think they will have help from the British or the Icelanders to fish out. They are experts from that, right? Icelanders are always overfishing and British are always overfishing. So they might help the Norwegian to, to, to <laughs> ruin the stock. Now, yeah. point at it. I mean, never has a fish stock been caught out or caught. I was doing a research in the Irish Sea in 2003, went out with a trawler, and uh, they said, the captain said that uh, earlier the haddock was so rare that they took it home to cook it. It was just very, very rare fish there. Now it was a lot of, of haddock there. So when I went to the, to read an old, so 100 years old report on the investigation in the Irish Sea, it says one place, I haddock is a guest in the Irish Sea. He comes <laughs> and goes with 10 years interval. You know, you say that, a, you've just reminded me a very funny story my father used to tell about the Murray Firth that we were talking about. And he's, he's used to tell the story 
that there was two f boats fishing together and they were talking on the radio and one says to the other about trying to catch a haddock and the other skipper came back to him. This is just after the war. The other skipper replied to him, the next haddock you'll see is in a glass case in a museum. <laughs> and he said it's cyclical, but they cut, They started catching them again for right up until recently when they stopped, when there's been no fishing. Yeah, and 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 and, and I have <clears throat> I have uh, been doing a bit research on the data on the spawning recruitment relationships, which they usually do as a linear plot. They a lot of dots, and then they draw a, a regression line in it. But if you look at it by time, you can see that the cuts or the spawning stock size is varying and the recruitment is varying and they are in opposite phase, which means that when the spawning stock is, is high, the recruitment is low and vice versa. The big spawning stocks come from uh, the low recruitment. I mean, their inverse relationship, therefore, by as they have been trying in Iceland, is to pro protect the spawning grounds and uh, and uh, uh, by catching less. And the spawning talks has increased from they started this, uh, and since the mackerel came here and became a food for a bit quiz. It is four times as it is. It's never been bigger. But the recruitment is at a very low level. And why is that? Because when the stock or spawning stock is big, the, 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 the stock is big and there is a shortage of foods which limits the size of the stock. There is no room for new recruits. There is no food for them. They will have no role in life. Why they, they can't they can't expand because there is not food. So when the big ones dies out, then there is a room for a new generation. And this is very clear for all stocks, almost all stock. I investigated both in Norsi, in the Pharaohs, and so on. There is an inverse relationship between these things because food limits the size of the stocks. And you have, by cutting, you bring balance between the stock size and the food supply. Simple. Jan, I love the way you you almost, if you don't mind me saying it, I'm not wanting to put words in your mouth, but listening to you, you've got a, you're almost at one with nature because you're talk, you're, all you're talking about is balance and harmony. You're not trying to beat anything or defy nature. You're talking about the balance. All your words, balance and harmony. I think it so, speaks so loud. Yes, I, I have been working with Salmon in 40 years. And it's uh, by, by serving the rivers, uh, estimating the population of Par, 
and the growth of power and so on. And uh, what I see, the, the, the newest trend in, in salmon fishery is cuts and release. In two beliefs, both there will be more fish in the river for the oldest people to catch or play with. They're not catching it, they're playing with it. Yep. And and it will increase the spawning and you will get a bigger, bigger stock and so on and so forth. By looking at all this data, I see that the opposite things happens. The salmon fishery is going down. Even if we release half of the of the of the fish again into the river. And if you look at Scotland, when there was very high fishery for a long time when they were fishing at sea and drafts and all things like that. And uh, and uh, later when they remove this gear from the sea and cut, start cutting only in the rivers, the cuts go down. And even if they start to release, it goes down. I was in Ireland doing survey there. When the, the last year, when they had allowed to use drift nets, I was the, engaged by the fishermen to, to look into this thing. And I heard that next year they should stop the fishery and weren't allowed to start it again. And I said to them, this fish only have one effect. There will be less fish in your rivers. Wow, they, they didn't believe that. Four years later, I read in an Irish paper, salmon fishery is very much down, despite all nets are being removed from the sea. And if you then look at what I, it's very difficult to estimate the density of the fish in the river. And uh, high density is seen as a good thing. But if you look at the long time research in what I use mostly to determine the fate of the salmon stock is the growth of the power. And you see that O plus, the first uh, the fingerlings that cuts in the spring, they never or almost never are more than four centimeters long in the fall. And they reach this size in August. And next year in May, they are just as long. They have not grown from August, even if the summer is long. And they are all this period. Uh, they are uh, four centimeters. And even now they are going down because the spawning is too high. In one river particular, I have been studying, their spawning stock is about 20 to 30 females per kilometer. In this river, there is an impossible fall. And above it, it's a three, four kilometers uh, with a river. In that area, we put two to three females per kilometer instead of 30. What happened was that the growth of these guys the first summer above the fall in a higher altitude were five and a half centimeters. 
they were three times as heavy than below the waterfall, and they were more. Why is that? They eat out all the fish and then they start to starve and die if the spawning stock is too high. And I have seen it even in the east fields where they go very, grow very slowly above the fall where they released a few salmon. Excellent growth. This is the proof that the spawning stock is too high. Really what you're saying, Jan, is what's happening in our rivers is exactly the same what's happening in our seas. If if it's, you know, it's the same. Yes, and it, they struggle to release the fish in order to increase the spawning. I have a look at the data on the par in the rivers. There's plenty of par in the river. But the report also, there are maybe 2,000 uh, salmon-eating birds. Yeah. Like ducks and uh, the, 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 what do you call it? This, uh, ah, which is in the sea. Big ones. Scarver, CV. I, we say scarver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, Comorants. Comorants. We call them, a by name for us is Scarfies, which is very similar to... Yeah, Scarver, is it? And they... they they eat uh, in the river, and uh, it's it's um, strange things that it is. We have been taking into uh, by releasing or, or making fish ladders in falls to increase the nourishment area, but this doesn't affect the number of fish caught in the river, which is very 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 strange. We should expect that if you double the nursing area for par, you would maybe increase by 50% the return. But it doesn't happen. And why is that? I have I, I read a, a study by Elson in the 50s. He was uh, he was investigating how much the Merganses or is eating in, in the stock. And he he said that they are predator of type C. They go to the river and they fish and eat until it doesn't pay more, until, until they, they, their cuts is too low that they leave go to another place. So they always eat the rivers down to the same level, no matter how many comes down. It is like when we are picking berries, whether there's a lot of berries in, in, in the beginning of the season or few, there are always the same quantity left when you have picked it. You pick until you, you, you don't bother to catch more. That's the same thing. They regulate the population. This is nature walking again. Thank you for listening to Seafood Matters podcast. You can subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. You can join me on Instagram and Facebook by searching for at Seafood Matters Podcast. If you have any questions or episode suggestions, please email me at jim at seafoodmatterspodcast.com or get in touch through my website, seafoodmatterspodcast.com. Seafood Matters Podcast.